But Professor, I love you, although I'm only a sexually amorous robot. <laughs> if you don't fancy me, how about my prepubescent robot daughter? <laughs> but clearly he designed her to create that daughter. Yeah. Like, he loved it. Well, I don't know, but Weibo was sentient, wasn't she? So mm. I guess. Was she? Or was she? <laughs> or did he just create uh, a slave? Isn't Weibo... I think he did, he did invent a sex slave, didn't he? Someone oh, he could... Sure. He invented someone. He could, This is good material. He invented someone. <laughs> That he could reject to make him feel better about himself. Oh, yeah. put that in the potty. Well, we're recording right now. That belongs in the potty. He's already in. That's a bit of cutting for you there, Jeff. Yeah, I'll cut that in, don't you worry. <laughs> don't you think Weibo was a much better invention than Flubber as well? I yeah, want I mean, to the... discuss this in the podcast. <laughs> well, I, I reckon they pitched it and like the guy, um, Harvey Weinstein, was like, no, 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 no. And then... Guys don't want to fuck a robot. <laughs> they want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they want to fuck the crusty old thing. Flubber! <laughs> Welcome to Reviews in the Closet, the film podcast where three guys sit in a closet and review a classic from the 90s. Or maybe the 80s and the noughties. Um, I'm Rudy, uh, one of the hosts, and join with me, as always, is the lovely Rasheen. Hello. And the even lovelier Jeffrey Kitt. Oh, I thank you. Hello. How are you both doing today? I'm all right. Again, the closet is super stuffy today. I think it's because it, we've had a few storms recently, so it's all kind of build, mm-hmm. built up. There's an atmosphere in it. Yeah. yeah. Sexual, cut it with a knife. A sexual atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> I myself, Rudy, am doing very well. Thank you for asking. Good. Good, mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. How's, how's work going for you, Jeff? Is that right? I'd rather not discuss it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. This is my vacation. This, this, is my, this is my time off. My passion project. Today, we've picked... A classic from 1997. Would we call it a classic? I'm calling it a classic from 1997. I'd say it's a classic turkey. This a, is the first classic, turkey we're discussing. Yeah, this is this is probably 1997's biggest turkey. <laughs> but that's why we love it. Uh, that's what draw or drew me to it. Do we um, love it? Well, nostalgically, yes. In practice, no, not really. Mm. But uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a ride to watch Flubber. 97's Flubber. There you go with the title drop. I was going to tease. <laughs> oh, I was going to give a few bits away. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, I didn't tease. Does anyone know the one where Robin Williams invents some green goo Patch that bounces around a bit? <laughs> That's all I'm going to give you. You've got to guess. <laughs> no, sorry, I just went straight in there, didn't I? So we are, of course, reviewing Flubber, the 1997 smash box office hit. The same year as um, Face Off came out. And a film about a boat. <laughs> and a film about a boat. <laughs> yeah, the Poseidon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Face Off features quite a lot of boats. Features a face. Uh, features uh, a face off. Case. She features two faces off, <laughs> and <laughs> two boats. <laughs> Imagine doing the face. Uh, it, it features two guys who had a face off having a boat off, doesn't it? At the end. <laughs> yeah, it's a boat. I would have called it boat off. <laughs> a classic boat off. Act one. Guys, my first note on Flubber is: Is this man ill? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the argument, yeah. And I think that sets the tone for the entire movie <laughs> because that was always in the back of my head. Right. <laughs> That thought. Yeah, I think mean, I, I, um, I thought it was going to be like uh, the film Memento, where it's about a character with uh, short-term memory mm. loss that was going to avenge the death of his wife brutally. 
uh, through the invention of flubber. Well, his uh, three-time fiance and yeah. his wife, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a remake of 61's also Disney property, The Absent-Minded Professor. No way. And I think in the remake, they uh, went a little bit too far on absent-minded and started to verge on mental retardation. Yeah, amnesia. Uh, yeah. Amnesia, yeah. He was yes. so far gone, wasn't he, the whole time. He... He was clearly brilliant with making green goo, but uh, keeping social events and having just any general cues of being a normal person, that was pretty non-existent. Yeah, they take the nutty professor trope quite far. They do, yeah. In terms of hold the professor, just keep the nutty. <laughs> right. Um, e- even to the point of his name. Brainard. Brainard. <laughs> Professor, Professor Brainard. Brainard. They could have chosen something more inventive, but I guess from a movie that's called The Absent-Minded Professor. Right. Maybe creative as he wasn't there, a strong suit. The first scene, we get a kind of Wallace and Gromit-esque introduction to Brainard. Wh- which I think was stolen lock stock because the first Wallace and Gromit came from out in lock, like... Lockstock not- and Smoking Mouth. Well, A from Lockstock and Smoking Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Wrong Trousers came out in like 93 or 94. Oh, shit. So that, and that was already like a massive hit. So they just completely ripped off Wallace and Gromit. So for a start, you know, this film is just plagiarism. Ah, well, it was just, just in plagiarism England. Plagiarism cobbled together. Who cares yeah. what they're doing across the pond? No, it was massive in America, though. Was it? Gromit. So, yeah, I think, okay. I think they pinched it. We also get a few key introductions within the first few minutes of the movie, notably to a little lady. Uh, a sexy little lady. Called a Weebo. Hello. She a lady? She was just an operating an operating system with a female voice. I wanted to ask you this. I would just say she's a robot, no? And clearly heterosexual. Yes, with a female's voice. Mm, yeah, who <laughs> has children and well. develops feelings. Sorry, spoiler. Yeah, please. Oh. So we get a little introduction to Weebo, and we get a, a bit of an insight into Brainard's personal life. Mm. Uh, Dysfunctional. Mm. <laughs> that was the elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me more about this Brainard. <laughs> Dysfunctional. <laughs> I'll take it. Is he, is he shagging some robot? <laughs> that's what that's what the audience wants in '97. <laughs> oh, I, I can write that in. It seems a bit gratuitous. His wife Sarah, like every classic '90s wife, is completely devoid of personality. Right. <laughs> she has to be the most boring character what, I've wife ever seen. Or fiance? Hmm? So fiance Sarah. I'm pardon me. Yeah, hang on. Quite, it's quite what, important. What is with you in the spoilers? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. And there's a bit of a backstory there. There, if you could uh, un- unravel that one. Well, we quite quickly realise how forgetful this absent-minded professor is mm-hmm. because Sarah says to him, the wedding is today. And he's like, are you sure it's today? I mean, <laughs> this man is just, they're going to work. It's a normal day, but the wedding is at 6.30pm in the evening for should some we, reason. Should we book the day off work? Well, I've only got another 25 days of paid leave this year, so <laughs> no. <laughs> and the night before was the dress rehearsal. How did he not remember the night before? And Please. she was getting changed into her wedding dress in her office. Mm-hmm. That's where she was doing her dress rehearsal. <laughs> right. uh, nine, in the office in the school. 90s career, though, woman. Always has to be on that kind of trope, maybe. I suppose so. I feel like if she was a career woman, she would have been more firm about the fact that he should be at his own wedding mm, which mm, is today okay yeah <laughs> mm, it is quite important. career women are famously firm about men turning up to their weddings, <laughs> to aren't their weddings yeah. Yeah. my 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 last lady boss it's either, it's either you <laughs> come for that. you come or you send weebo it's, one, it's your choice but famously weebo didn't even want the professor to know about the wedding 
So off the bat, she was sabotaging her own beloved professor. That's right, because we all women's motivations in this movie are revolving around the main male protagonist. Around the hunk, Robin Williams. Hunky, hunky So we find out that Weebo is a sexually amorous robot. Yes. With the huts. Can I just say, I also really dislike Weebo's head. Always playing those little clips, oh. trying to like be yeah, funny she's and so topical. kooky, and like she's always on as well. Yeah, that would be the irritating thing about a robot; they would always be on, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> he's designed her that way, though. She's always butting in, screwing. Yeah, he's, he's designed her as like a, a sex slave that will that he can just reject, <laughs> that will always desire him. Although, aren't we essentially seeing the singularity in 1997? Okay, he invents Flubber, which we'll get on to far less impressive than inventing Weibo, who clearly has developed mm. motivations and, and a right. consciousness S of sexual her Sexual desires. And sexual yeah. desires. And also has deliberately mistook orders, has deliberately disobeyed orders mm. for her own personal gain. I've, I've invented a sentient robot. Does it have sexual desires? No, don't care. <laughs> Come back to me <laughs> when it makes a pass at you. That's nice. <laughs> That's front page. <laughs> Furthermore, she can already fly. Who needs the flubber? Oh, God, You've already yeah. unlocked fly, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a bloody great point. Although you. Um, you do see at one point she has to charge herself in the wall. So she has a battery, uh, whereas Flubber is like yeah. a perpetual kind of motion machine. Doesn't have an yeah. extension cord yeah, for a flying yeah, yeah. car. Mm -hmm. Flubber had energy potential. That was what's, what was so um, precious about mm. it. But it didn't have sexual desires. So that's why people weren't interested. And Flubber could also dance the Samba. And it could dance the Samba. And it could just <laughs> mutate and split itself into thousands <laughs> of versions. But and again, no sexual desire. I don't know. Did you, did you see the Lady Flubber? Because oh, yeah, she had boobs, bro. The lady Flubber had tits. Yeah, I don't think we would we would write off Flubber's sexual desire so easily. Back to the the fantastic character development that happens in the first ten minutes of the movie. We are also introduced to Professor Brainard's rival, who is just Wilson. hilariously generic. Wilson. Wilson. He's played by that guy who well, plays the douche in every movie. I love this guy so much that I had to find out his name. Christopher McDonald. He also Christopher was McDonald. in. Happy Gilmore uh -huh. and he played I don't know if you remember Tappy Tibbins in Requiem for a Dream kind of in that weird infomercial scene yeah uh, he was the guy kind of selling I think like diet pills or something mm -hmm. anyway he's always kind of like a creepy yeah. untrustworthy character he's uh, because he's got that preppy face and he always plays and that's the classic trope in this film isn't it it's like the evil preppy guy right with his like plaid shirts <laughs> his um, sports coat and his motivation is that he just wants to steal Brainard's ideas for financial gain and woman and lady. But not lady robot. No. no. He drew the, the other there. love of his yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. Not sexy enough. So all this happens within the first 10 minutes and we get introduced to Flubber in minute 13. Ah, yes. It's pretty quick. <laughs> well, if he's in the title, mate, get on in there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a contrast, again, to my favourite reference, Jurassic Park, where the dinosaurs don't show up until, like, minute 40 or mm. something like that. Uh Flubber is just right in there. Right no in there. Yeah. time to waste. We've established that this man has a fiance and that she all she wants to do is get married and that he has his mind on other things. A good <laughs> film doesn't need time to breathe. No, no. You know who said that? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> oh, and also, we also find out one other thing that is kind of integral to just making the plot logical and have some structure but is only mentioned once or twice in the film that the college is in financial trouble and that that then might come back as a thing, a resolution in the third act. It, but it's just, it was just like, it was written in there as like a side note 
on like a Google Doc <laughs> document where someone clicks notes, yeah. mention college in trouble. Suggested. Uh, yeah, exclamation mark. And then that's that's the only line in the script. There's <laughs> also a second subplot of a little shit of a student mm-hmm. who wants to buy his grades. Yeah, which is another classic like an US college film setup, isn't it? It's like the rich, spoiled kid that just bought his way in there and the professor that won't budge, right. that won't give him the easy ride. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't that he, of, yeah. it didn't even seem like he was trying to give him an easy ride. He gave him an F and the guy wanted an A. It just seems like he was a terrible student. Maybe study a bit more, mate. And that's because, and I quote, he has principles. Professor that's Brainard, right. the inventor yeah. of Flubber and the sexually amorous robot Weibo, apparently has principles. He's just a bit forgetful, but apart from that, he's a good man. He has principles. He, as far as we're aware, has not had sex with Weibo. Because <laughs> I think that would be a great area. <laughs> that's the line, isn't Yeah, it? you can't have sex with something you created. That's in, the, yeah. that's in the context, though. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. I also love that they describe it as this jerk-neck college. That's what the son and the, and the, and the dad describe it as. Jerk-neck. Jerk-neck. That's yeah. such a Disney insult. <laughs> and, like, again, going back to like the college in trouble trope, it has to be, has to be the underdog, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Again, right. it's so you can root for the underdog because we find out that the basketball team are absolutely rubbish again like root for the underdog right. so it's got it's like thrown in every <laughs> college film trope possible just to see if like one of them will stick will like make the film give the film some heart um, which uh, the film has a lot of heart in my mind <laughs> a flubbery heart a big, a big green heart. flubbery heart. <laughs> we get the first invention of, of flubber. Something works and flubber is invented. Meanwhile, Sarah, the lovely fiance, is waiting at the altar. Might I add, for the third time yeah. for this ah. man. We're told that sh- this is the third time this has happened. And she still wants to marry this man. She just casually mentions it as well. Like, you didn't turn up for the third, third time. time. <laughs> for the th- <laughs> third that's taking the piss, surely. Um, this is one of you my- only get three chances <laughs> with Sarah Reynolds. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you guys: at what point do you not turn up for the wedding? How many, how many times do you get left at the altar before you're like hmm, with the same man? Yeah, yeah, maybe this mentally retarded man is not for me. I feel like um, three times is about appropriate for a high-powered career gal like right, myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say five. Um. <laughs> I would say that when Flubber shows up, the movie takes on a very stressful tone. Um, it was very boisterous, wasn't it, Flubber? Boisterous. Mm. It's very slapstick. Every, mm. It's a bit like Home Alone. It's just based on people bumping well, into shit. Well, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. They they try to bring in elements of Home Alone, but just miss the mark so right. much. And it's old uh, your boy John Hughes. My big boy involved in the film which was really like is this peak Hughes downfall oh this not is not the hit the film downfall no John sure. Hughes did not write <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a very different bunker <laughs> what Hitler's just invented flubber <laughs> Hitler has a sexually amorous robot <laughs> Eva Braun. <laughs> Johnny Hughes really lost it in the late 90s, didn't he? I mean, he started with such crackers. Come kind of the late 90s, early 2000s. He actually started writing under a pen name. I think he started to get a bit embarrassed. Oh, because he knew his films were such turkeys. Right. So they were either just like thirds, fourths or fifths, like late sequels to the franchise Beethoven. Oh, my God. God, Do you remember that, that slobbery dog film? <laughs> that was also incredibly stressful to watch. In like, what way? Because that dog, like Rudy said, was so boisterous. He just causing carnage, wasn't he? So obnoxious, always knocking shit over. And the dad is made out to be the villain because he wants to get rid of the dog. I felt fucking sorry for that dad. I felt really bad for him. The dad just needed to kill the dog, didn't he? Or just put him up. Put him well, up for adoption. 
yeah, or just be able to discipline him without the children getting involved. But listen to these stinkers. So he did 101 Dalmatians, which I have fond memories yeah, of. Yeah, so was like that was pretty middling. The, 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 the live action one. The live action. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember seeing that at the cinema as a kid, but I remember at the time it got slated by the critics. Exactly. Yeah. And then he followed that up with Flubber, another <laughs> oh, middle of the road, and then Home Alone 3, which he did write. Oh, God. By respect, he kept with Home Alone <laughs> all the way to the bitter fourth. <laughs> well, at this Didn't point. Didn't step off the project. Around the turn of the millennium he changed tact to Edmund Dantes which I think is a lovely pen name did Beethoven 3 4 5 made in Manhattan if yeah. anyone's seen that JLo banger and in 2007 Drillbit Taylor with Owen Wilson oh my god so, I honestly I don't think that's uh, an admirable no, no repertoire I mean just I did read the synopsis for made in Manhattan um, the, the JLo film and you I thought, didn't have to read it. Come well, on. I thought the synopsis was quite funny. A senatorial candidate falls for a maid thinking she is a socialite when she tries on a dress. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Great film. That is such, that's such a lazy hue setup. <laughs> yeah. You just fall in the shower one day. Yeah. <laughs> <don't know>, <laughs> Do you think your career might go Hughes at some point? At some point, yeah. I think mine already has. <laughs> Which I think I Hughes at 25. I think I'm, I'm already... Now, I'm now I'm at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> you are already at Edmund Dante's. <laughs> I was I'm never Hughes. Dante's years. I was never Hughes. I was always Dante's. <laughs> I think I'm around Beethoven three. <laughs> it's not gone completely south yet, but it's well on its way. My last appraisal at work just said Home Alone four. <laughs> can, can you? Why? Oh wait, the company's using the John Hughes scale. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. no one explained that to me. That was such a non sequitur when you just named a film as my annual appraisal. <laughs> Imagine getting cast in the direct-to-video Beethoven. Fifth. Would you even be excited about that? Like, if you were in the main billing of Beethoven's Fifth, <laughs> it'd be embarrassing, man. I wouldn't tell anyone. If you, you were George that? Clooney, <laughs> yeah, if you were Daniel Day Lewis, I'd be like, "What has happened?" <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone. But I'm in Beethoven Seventh. <laughs> I just did. There will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> the most critically acclaimed character actor of a generation. Straight into it. And I've, 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 I've used. <laughs> that would be a good art project, though. Going into Beethoven's Fifth as like an A-lister, as, as you're an absolute A-lister, yeah, yeah. slumming it just <laughs> for an artistic. And merit. Daniel Day-Lewis does, does like I the just voice. really love the story. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine Shia LaBeouf doing some kind of art statement like that. Oh, <laughs> I, I would love it. I'd, I'd love if he didn't even Stevens movie actually. I've and he'd, he'd be that. eating crisps whilst doing the voiceover. <laughs> That'd be his art project. <laughs> Uh, back to Flubber. For Sarah, that's it. That is the final straw. Yeah, free and dumb. That is the Flubber <laughs> that broke the camel's back. <laughs> and Robin Williams, sorry, Professor Brainard, uh, goes to her office to try to convince her otherwise using Flubber. Bit of a weird tactic, I would say, if you're trying to win your fiancé back, to be like, hey, but this is the reason I missed our wedding. It's because I invented this green goo. <laughs> And what, the college is in financial trouble? <laughs> it's called Flubber. It's flying rubber. Great name. Um, what I, I don't think this is an intentional, but they did leave that scene up up to the audience to put two and two together. The, the college is in financial trouble. Right. And he's just invented this thing that creates energy. So yeah. like the audience could figure out, oh, maybe that's going to save the college. But I don't think that was intentional. I think this, the script <laughs> writing was just yeah. so slack. It was so <laughs> No one bothered to actually write that in, that that could be a resolution <laughs> to that <laughs> that plot they just opened up. <laughs> they would totally argue, though, that they're yeah. like, oh, no, we're making the audience yeah. think yeah. for this. It's like, uh, it's like a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. <laughs> I want these seven-year-olds to be on their mental yeah. 
toes. Um, people often say Flubber was the, the Coen's brothers of John Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> or Edmund yeah, Dante. Subtle, yeah. <laughs> of the Dante years, yeah. And he demonstrates uh, how powerful Flubber is by throwing himself out a window with Flubber in his back pocket. But Flubber, that cheeky little... Flubber's got other ideas. Che- cheeky little scamp. <laughs> <laughs> Green cat. Get out of here, Flubber. Go on. <laughs> On. Yeah, Flubber fucks off. Miraculously, Professor Brainard survives the <laughs> three or four story Flubbit. Yeah. Definite broken back mm. and further brain damage, I would imagine. Yeah, but he shakes it off. He's all right. And then, and then it immediately cuts to another completely unnecessary plot they introduce of the, uh, the, the wealthy man um, talking to his goons <laughs> because uh, Brainard won't give uh, the good grades to his son who he's bought his way through college and so then sends the old hired goons around to Brainard's house and uh, there's nothing quite like the personal touch of hired goons there's in not. my mind <laughs> I love a hired goon and uh, when I was doing some research before on Wikipedia it describes them as um, security guards <laughs> so the name, the name of the rich guy is Chester Honecker <laughs> and it says Chester sends his security guards around to Professor Brainard's house is it like Honecker? Honecker Honecker so it's Honecker maybe I'm mispronouncing it Chester, Chester Honecker, Honecker. <laughs> do you think it was just like Christmas when this was written they were like I don't know Chester Honecker he gave my son an F go get my security guards <laughs> yeah. my threatening <laughs> security guards <laughs> Go and get my my gateman. <laughs> Go and get the pool cleaner. We're going to sort this out. They're very home alone, though, aren't they? I mean, well, it's this literally is it, yeah. home so alone. This is literally oh, when they. It, it was a rip off of the Wet Bandits, but we're just with none of the depth of character, not none of the heart. What three three four years after Home Alone to literally have the same set piece? I mean, they're looking yeah. through his basement window. <laughs> home, home Alone was a hit. <laughs> And these guys get hit. In Maybe the I'll read you that again, yeah. again. But this time with a bowling ball. I mean, come on. As a result of the ongoing flubber experiments that are taking place in Professor Brainard's basement, um, I'll give Hughes this though, or the costume designer, that the hide goons in Flubber sartorially are light years ahead of the Wet Bandits because they're both wearing a tactical turtleneck. Ah. Now, I'm not saying I invented the turtleneck, but I was the first to realise its tactical potential. <laughs> You're foldable. You're gullible. In my notes, and I, this is shortly after the bowling ball, I have a quote uttered by Professor Brainard when he's coming up with some crazy scheme to get his wife back with the help of Weibo. He says, I'm going to fly this baby, referring to the car that he's put Flubber in. I'm going to mm-hmm. fly this baby, land it on the roof, and then maybe... She'll change her tune. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a midnight car ride on the roof to change her mind. I mean, if someone used flying rubber as as an energy source for a flying car, then land that car on my roof. Marry me. Then ask me to give them another shot. I absolutely would. I'd, there is no doubt in my mind and that I would definitely hook up with that person. Bit of roof damage? Anyone? Yeah. Flubber could probably fix it somehow. Ah, yeah, yeah, Flubber's helping out. So around this time, we get a bit more Weibo character development, who I would argue is probably the most developed character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, sexually. <laughs> she She's the, the most developed character sexually. The widest sexual profile. <laughs> Quick note, Adam and Jamie from Mythbusters designed Weibo. Oh. Take that. Wow. There you go. Well, okay. Doesn't do much for you. No. Okay. 
I mean, I say she's developed in a film of badly, badly developed characters. Just because she seemed like the most interesting. She's got the ability to make a hologram version of herself and make herself look like a human woman. I feel like she was the only one with motives. Like, mm. the professor, for some reason, wanted to marry this woman. He can't even yeah, remember. They had no chemistry, the they, professor and Sarah. Just yeah. that they happened to work at the same yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least Weibo wanted to fuck someone and do something and yeah, change Weibo something. and the professor actually had chemistry, yeah. Right. Uh, they did. Yeah. You're right. They did have chemistry. But bearing in mind, the professor created her. <laughs> right. So it was just like... Was it just the professor talking to a version of himself? Not necessarily, because Weibo has demonstrated the ability to teach herself things. She is the first example of AI in modern times. In, in history. The history books will look back <laughs> at Flubber as the tipping point. Thank you, Mythbusters. <laughs> that is quite impressive, though, that Weibo makes a hologram version of herself. What's slightly more creepy, though, is that she uses that hologram version to creep into the professor's bedroom mm -hmm. and kiss him while he's sleeping he wakes up sees her and then just thinks nothing of it mm. he sees the hologram version of her mm. and then just doesn't react to it in any way well and the like the setup for that piece so we've got Weibo going on a computer again super 90s trope <laughs> like oh wow with this computer I can create anything it's going through loads of profiles of women's faces mm. and that is another huge plagiarism from weird science where they use a computer to create the perfect woman. So again, John Hughes is ripping off another of his oh, films goodness. through that scene. Also, that scene really reminded me of The Truman Show, where Jim yeah, Carrey... Yeah, I thought that, the eyes. That's exactly what I thought when eyes. I saw that. And yeah. also, isn't that woman called Sylvia, that character? Oh, she oh, is. Wait, it, was yeah. The Truman Show just one big homage to Flubber? <laughs> <laughs> the Flub Show. The <laughs> Did anyone care for the professor? I didn't really give a fuck about him, if I'm Not honest. Not really, no. I didn't care about anyone. I've I care about Weibo. I cared a bit about Weibo as well, yeah. And I also cared about the security guards. <laughs> the <goons>. when, they, <laughs> when they when he got that bowling ball in his head, I thought, oh, oh, I hope he comes back from this. <laughs> I mean, security guards are getting paid, what, like six pounds an hour? <laughs> that he's, ball. he's on minimum wage. Cut the guy a break. That bowling ball literally bounced into the stratosphere, <laughs> came back, smacked him in the cranium. His brains should be all over the window. Windows, man. <laughs> I'll tell you the person who I gave the least shits about. That little boy who is just a recurring motif throughout yeah, the movie. Whenever yeah. something shocking happens, that was weird. They show just like a little boy observing it and being slightly traumatized. I, I think they just, I think they put it in there because they needed more jokes. Exactly. And they just put that in there as a it, runner. Yeah, yeah, but it was so wooden. Act two. Moving swiftly on to maybe even the crux of the movie. The basketball game. The accidental crux. So I, I only realised like the setup by reading the Wikipedia notes. Because I don't understand why that happened. Well, so so Wilson, Brainard's nemesis, when uh, he was talking to Sarah and Brainard was in his flying car hovering above them with no shadow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or noise. That's right. <laughs> the thing about Flubber, it doesn't make any noise when it's producing mass energy. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Wilson said to Sarah, if the basketball team wins, you buy me dinner. If they lose, I take you to the country for the weekend. That's so right. that's why Brainard had to make sure they won so Wilson that's couldn't right. win the bet and take her away for the weekend. What a proposition, Marta. Um, but I'll take you to the mountains for the weekend. It's, uh, you always know it's a good film when you don't understand the central plot point until you read Wikipedia. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, if you thought it was zany before, this takes it to a whole new level. Yeah. Strap on in. I noticed a few things in this game, actually. First of all... Uh, There's a this... couple, of, couple of carries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the supposedly principal professor blackmails a student. Yeah, he says, yeah, he cracks. Yeah, yeah, he says, like, don't tell anyone about the flubber on your shoes. Not in those words. Um, <laughs> now look here, Sonny Jim. <laughs> the guy's just like, what the fuck is flubber? Yeah. <laughs> 
he says, or I'll flunk you. So, which is kind of a, a detraction from character. No? Yeah. Further than this, cheating is okay. That's the moral of the game. They yeah. win. They win the whole match. Well, well, they it, cheat. In, in, in a better developed film, like the cat, um, Brainard would have had some sort of recompense for breaking character and making a threat to a child. No, if this was like Home Alone or a good Hughes film there'd, there'd have been some consequence to that mm. but like there are no consequences to any actions in this film it's just and furthermore just so loose. they're down 60 points 60 points at half time and then the whole crowd is just okay with these losers who can suddenly jump 15 metres in the air and like slam dunk also, surely this is extremely dangerous again questioning the principles of Professor Brainard knowing how uh, volatile flubber is and how destructive he this material is. He put all those he, kids at harm. He gives yeah. it to, to a team of children in order to further his own gains with his and, wife. And there's only one Sorry, person in that stadium <laughs> that calls foul on it, which is the coach of the other team, that flags it to the ref. And the ref <laughs> is some like gruff New Yorker. Hey, there, there ain't no rules against how far you can jump. <laughs> <laughs> Although there, there's clearly something going on because that kid should jump to the ceiling and back. They, they are going to have some knee problems later in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the victory lap of that game is when a child <laughs> slam dunks by jumping through the hoop itself. <laughs> head first. <laughs> head, head first. You get extra and, points for that. <laughs> and still, no one suspects a thing. Was it, was it just a really wide um, hoop? Or were the team so puny <laughs> that his passion. shoulders could fit through the hoop? Because they were so unathletic. <laughs> it was just the puniest child ever. I'd go with the latter. There were some undeveloped, prepubescent boys. But within that college, he, he was the biggest boy. <laughs> Although in, in, in broader society, it was so puny. <laughs> So while the basketball game is going on, uh, I don't know if you remember what Flubber is doing back at home. Well, Weibo, for some reason, lets him out. Wants to cause some damage. For, for the sake of a montage. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of a zany montage. For the sake of yeah. three dead minutes. They just want to fill out the film. Fill out this 93-minute film with padding. It's, it's, I want to say a dance scene with Flubber and Lady Flubber mm -hmm. uh, doing the samba, doing some interesting fractal patterns. I really found it difficult to watch, actually. Um, because, again, supposed to be just real zany and fun and just came off as weird. I mean, this film is... The zaniness just edges on just complete absurdity. Yeah. But it is hilarious. <laughs> it's one saving grace it, is that it is laugh out loud funny. It had me <laughs> from start rolling. to end. This scene was very strange though, and it didn't fit with the whole movie. It was just a weird song bit. Yeah, no I, music was in the rest of the film. We didn't even really get to meet Flubber that much, did we? He just happened to dance. That's what I was thinking. Is like, who is Flubber? I think we need to get to the bottom of his, of his character a little bit. Well, he produces energy, so that's why he's like so energetic. That's why he's bouncing off the walls. That's wounds. that's enough for me. Why does he need to be like zany? Well, well, because I think it's because otherwise he produces, this would be a drama. Because he produces, he produces perpetual energy. He's like a self-fulfilling ball of energy. Right. So of course he's going to be a scamp. Yeah, okay, like okay. Someone who produces that much energy would be a scamp. He, like, he can't be like a lugubrious, depressed, <laughs> middle-aged man. Oh, my back's killing me. Robin, my wife just left me. Robin, you should really go to that altar. <laughs> just kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> Life's too long. 
and you just make it longer. <laughs> like, wow, I, didn't, I did not think you'd be like this. You're a ball of energy. <laughs> and you are so depressed. You're such a depressing being. <laughs> but for someone with so much literal energy. <laughs> okay, and... Ooh, your ductile. <laughs> you're elastic. Just see how elastic you are. Back to Weibo for a second. Because Weibo, we know her motivations throughout the movie and they are just to hook up with Professor Brainard. But when she actually sits down and, and talks with him about his fiance, uh, and he gives a very moving speech <laughs> about his fiance, who, again, has no personality. <laughs> Uh, she decides to go to the fiancé's apartment, give her a big kiss on the lips, and convince the fiancé to come back. Give him another shot for the fourth time. Um, in- interesting point on Wikipedia. Wikipedia puts down Brainard's absent-mindedness uh, because he's too preoccupied with being in love with Sarah, which makes absolutely no sense. That is, again, yeah. just like trying to cover over plot holes. No, I, like, I think that's meant just, to be this way. I think that's just bad Wikipedia writing. Yeah, first. right. Yeah. Written, written by Edmund Dantes. <laughs> um, yeah, famously, John Hughes is the only person that writes his own Wikipedia pages for his films. It sounds like Flubber wrote it. <laughs> was, was, was that pseudonym just for his Wikipedia entries? <laughs> I want to say, though, Robin Williams in this part of his career was doing some pretty strange roles. Listen Stonkers. to this. 97, Flubber. Followed by Goodwill Hunting. Followed by Patch Adams. Followed by Bicentennial Man. <laughs> what is going on there? Wait, where's Jack? In, in all of that. Ooh, and you know what? I have a hunch. I did not say this, but I think Jack was 96. So it would have been Jack, Flubber, Goodwill, Patch, Bicentennial Man, and then we got the Y2K baby. I absolutely love Robin Williams. He's genuinely one of my favourite actors. But the amount of movies I've seen him in that I just feel uncomfortable watching. Mm-hmm. Flubber is one. There was one called Toys, which was really weird. Again, Jack is fucking... Odd. An old, he was a young boy in an old man's yeah. body, wasn't he? And J-Lo, again, is in that. She's the is teacher she? that he's, like, in love with, yeah. And she's into him? And she, mm, no, he's into her. Ah. Uh, yeah. Breaking with the trope of 90s women in love with mentally deranged mm. and unstable men. Yeah. Mm. Dumb and dumber, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Isn't this one basically yeah, that as this, well? Yeah. This follows yeah. that trope. This yeah. incredibly successful dean of the college in love or getting stood up four times, three times. With an absent-minded professor. I want to say just quickly, Bicentennial Man is super creepy. Yeah, right. I think <laughs> I've seen it once and I was like, ooh. Have you seen it, Rudy? When did one hour photo come out uh that was like uh, 2003 that's uh, a good okay. movie no? yeah. yeah that that's is great good. williams yeah, yeah. serious williams mm. <laughs> flubber and one one hour flubber. <laughs> yeah. the next thing i've got in my notes is dead hologram weibo weibo dies unceremoniously mm. off camera the security guards get a baseball bat to her head the goons get her yeah. they get her it's quite it's pretty brutal and robin williams just sort of cradles her in his arms and says if only i could find an extension cord <laughs> <laughs> is that really the thing hindering you from saving her it's like he's coming up with excuses so he can't save her like oh where's that darn extension cord <laughs> if only i could find it or was that 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 part of the script written on a friday afternoon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we both know where's the extension cord quick so Weibo dies which is pretty 
pretty risky given the general tone of this movie if anyone was to die i would have rather it be sarah the lovely fiance <laughs> but who's he gonna marry if sarah dies um <laughs> weebo obviously ah, of course, yes. um and then the weebo storyline just gets that little, little bit, bit sexier weirder. <laughs> okay sexier <laughs> that's where we're going with that where they load weebo up onto a computer <laughs> or something because it's the 90s and anything's possible with a computer anything's possible with a computer and Weibo she's got her last will and testament <laughs> essentially and says that she has with part of I guess Professor Brainard's DNA <laughs> created a new robot called Weebat mm. who she refers to as her daughter yeah <laughs> Also, we imagine will be very flirty. <laughs> this potentially underage robot. Well, even robots, <laughs> amorous woman. Even flirtier. She's going to grow up without a mother. That's going to spell disaster, isn't it? She's got Sarah, no? <laughs> Sarah just agreeing Who? by marrying uh, Brainhard to become she, the mother. She's got Sarah to kiss her at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Again, maybe she's into spoiler. girls. Maybe she, maybe we bits into girls, and she actually thinks no, she's not nine, Sarah. Nine, uh, Ninety-seven. I think that's a bit too early for mm. like a lesbian love, plot in a mainstream film. I would love to <laughs> see a flubber two focusing on wee bat. She would be about what forty now. <laughs> Act three. Act three. This whole subplot of having to save the school has been going on in the background. Very well developed subplot. Mm -hmm. Two lines, yep. Oh, Which... and that's actually delivered on the front page of a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like college in financial trouble. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like a morning scene when a kid throws it on the lawn. <laughs> they couldn't even be bothered to write it into the plot. That is they just, just put so that, lazy. That one scene in there. Yeah. Such lazy writing. Like, oh, let's just get the newspapers to do it. So they go to this man. Oh, who is this man? He's um, the father. Honecker. He's the father of the... the father of the son he's but, paid to go through college. But what's his place within the school? He's the wealthy benefactor. He's he's given the school benefactor. a lot the wealthy dowager. He's given the school he's I think it's I think I guess this is not like explicitly explained, but he's like bankrolling the school because right. they're in trouble. That then gives him all this leverage to make sure his son gets good grades. Gotcha. But as the professor's too principal to give the son good grades, this guy is no longer giving money to the school, hence why the school's financial troubles are compounded. But hey ho, we got this thing called Flubber. Maybe that could help. That's it, but that's when he sees the flying car after the basketball game and realizes, I think we're ooh, that could yeah. make a bit of money there. He then realizes he could sh he should steal Flubber. Yeah. Sure. Can I just say he does a terrible job of stealing Flubber? They've got the two main characters trapped in Brainard's garage, and they just leave him. They could have they had the goons and everything. Well, but there, because <laughs> the, the fight scene has to happen in a big building. Yeah, that's in like true. Um, Honecker's mansion. Right. Because there's more things to smash into. It, it, more dreidels. Be, yeah, more dreidels. It'd be unceremonious to end the film as a garage fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Flubber deserves be much better. He does. They really get down to fighting. And we see Professor Brainard use his weird flubber hand lube. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, sorry. Before before that, for for no for reasons unexplained, they also bump into Wilson there, who <laughs> right, is yeah. in cahoots. With Honecker, just to tie Wilson back into the plot. Yeah. yeah. It's just so loose. And I yeah. love how Sarah is, like, shocked by this. Wilson? Yeah. He's clearly a dick. Like, why did you even, like, uh, but start then again, dating like, him for it's a It's like bit. 90s, um, like, female characters in films that are just there to support the men. Mm. Right. Like, have no sense of uh, intuition right. or, like, knowledge of characters' ulterior motives. <laughs> They're just dress-setting, aren't they? That's all it <laughs> That's is. true. Mm -hmm. You're right. So he puts on the, the flubber hand loop. Excuse me while I lube. <laughs> it's, it's the climax of the film. I got to lube up. Is yeah. that not like a weirdly, like it's a very uncomfortable motif that comes up 
throughout the movie where he just lubes up his hands he so does, he can yeah. handle flubber. And he's very generous with the lube. And yeah, and he seems to really take pleasure in, <laughs> in moisturizing his hands. The nineties was huge for lubing, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was at it. <laughs> and then Flubber kind of saves the day, I guess. And we get a line at the end where I believe Brainard says, Eat my flubber. Oh <laughs> Does my he say god. That? Because that villain lit this was so uncomfortable for me. The yeah. villain unknowingly eats the flubber. He ingests Honica. the flubber. Well, I know Wilson. Yeah. No, Wilson, eats, yeah. Eats the flubber. Flubber flies into his mouth and then descends down into his stomach. It causes him to do all kind of contortions. And then he shits flubber out. <laughs> Yeah, that's so gross. <laughs> that is a really brutal punishment for that villain when all he wanted to do was steal Professor Brainard's wife, well, no, which but, essentially but, is what Weebo but wanted he was to try, do. He was trying to steal <laughs> Weebo was a martyr. Yeah, but Weebo can't ingest Flubber. <laughs> he, he did want to try and steal Flubber as well, so that was his comeuppance. Okay. For trying to steal something that wasn't his, he, he no swallowed it and shed it out. Yeah. Did that quite disturb you, Roisin, that scene? Yeah, man, I really did not enjoy that. I, do, I mean, the whole movie was quite disconcerting, but <laughs> shitting Flubber out, is yeah. there, that's a line That's that a I line. don't want to cross. Professor, I think you gave it a little too much free will. After the villain shits out Flubber, we've come to our resolution. We The film shits out the third act. <laughs> <laughs> so also, for the third act, <laughs> we are literally going to shit out Flubber. <laughs> in, in that scene, just before the, the, the Flubber shitting, we are treated to so many zany sound effects when people are just being beaten left, right, and centre. Uh, yeah, There's so yeah. many boings and I think that's to make bashes. it, it's to make it less violent because it's actually quite a violent fight scene. It's just, it's like Home Alone. That's how yeah. they make that less violent when it's, it's really brutal. But they've got the flubber now and thankfully there's a buyer. Hello, Ford. <laughs> hello. And that is also not fully explained, but I suppose that they sell flubber to Ford and hello, we're good. Well, yeah, because the next newspaper headline reads, Professor saves school. Yeah. Thanks, Ford. <laughs> awful Thanks, context. Awful professor saves awful school. <laughs> Why, what, what, what have you got your hand over on the first word? It's, it's an unrelated article in the banner headline. <laughs> Weebo. Yes, sir? Take a picture. Okay, look this way. Smile. And there's a beautiful wedding. Sarah's looking lovely. She's got a big old smile on those chops. We see <laughs> Professor Brainard with a very tall top hat. Yeah, that top hat, damn. Yeah. Uh, a very big top hat, experimenting away, talking to... probably got to... some flubber underneath that hat, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the scene sort of zooms out and we get the real picture of what's going on. Sarah is at the altar. Professor Brainard is in his basement, experimenting away. And Weebet, the daughter of the sexually amorous robot Weebo, is standing in for the sexually Professor amorous Brainard. <laughs> As it was noted on the script. That is... I, I can't even think of a way to describe that. that. Insanity. That Inspired. Ending. Inspired. <laughs> that he, he couldn't make it for the fourth time. And his wife is just fine with that yeah but i don't think it was i don't think it was that he like stood her up i guess they arranged that beforehand mm. and that was agreed so it was i don't think it was like a last minute thing but what she agreed to getting on that altar in front of all her family and with friends and kissing a robot that is essentially yeah. the daughter yeah. of her husband with his sexually well, robot which is probably invented. underage 
<laughs> Snogging an underage robot that on the order. A lovely red robot. Friggin but that is a and, hell and, of a compromise. And, and she was the crusty old dean. Yeah. Why did she accept that? Yeah. yeah. She's a sexy dean, to be fair. She's putting up with all kinds of bullshit. Do you guys remember how the uh, movie. Up ends? in the air. Oh, I do. Mm. So They're we cut back it. to that runner of the kid that's afraid to look out the window. Yeah. He's got his blind down on the plane and his dad reassures him, oh, it's fine, son. We're 30,000 feet up in the air. Take a look out of the window. So he opens up the slide. Lo and behold. And lo and behold, we have got Brainard, Sarah, <laughs> and Weebet flying in their flying car. <laughs> and Weebet being a like petulant child. Yeah, saying she doesn't want to, a bratty child saying she doesn't want to share a room with those two. Well, no, exactly. with Flubber. Doesn't want to share with Flubber. Oh, with Flubber. With mm. Flubber. Ah, so he's, they, they've created a family dynamic. So right. she's the bratty daughter. He's the annoying little scamp of a son. Right. And they're the mum and dad. Well, I believe that is kind of referenced earlier on in the movie when Brainard thinks there's no hope with Sarah and says, well, it's just going to be you, me, and Flubber makes three. He but, was prepared to start a family but, with Weebo. But then, what, wasn't he selling Flubber to Ford? To like, <laughs> oh, yeah. as a perpetual motion machine for their engines? Right. Maybe he just gave the technology and kept the the scamp of a flubber so does that mean that every ford car will have a scamp of a flubber inside yeah it's a it's a special feature but, then, but to me but so i i consider flubber to be sentient and if you're trapped it's like it becomes like a black mirror doesn't it if you're trapping flubber within the yeah, right. um like the engines of cars as, as like some sort of like energy mass for cars are you not like trapping and enslaving mm. like maybe you have a little dance down there well that's the thing you can't mm. trap a salmon I, I, so that's just horrible it, for me it's troubling that Ford agreed to do that. That is so Ford, yeah. though, isn't it? <laughs> well, is that is that is that John Hughes doing some sort of comment on the evil of capitalism? <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Hughes, you sh that's what you meant. That's not just because someone mentioned that. <laughs> no, that's what I meant. <laughs> it seems far fetched. Please be careful. Don't worry. These chemicals are completely compatible. There's no chance that anything could go wrong. That was flubber. What's your What's your score? <laughs> How'd you flub that? How many uh, <clears throat> flubbers would you give that? If I was going to write a review, I think the headline would be a flub and mess. Um, what do you think about that? So what that what about your alternative title? My Ooh. my alternative title is what happens to machine souls when they die? Mm, yeah, ooh, as a yeah. tribute to Weebo. So uh, I got two. One is just called Lubed. <laughs> but um, I'm informed that's now um, a, a series of videos on Pornhub or the, the other one would be uh, The Professor and the Sexually Amorous Robot bearing in mind as long as Pornhub also doesn't have that as a video <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought revisiting this would be a lot more enjoyable it was actually a slog at 93 minutes it was, it was stressful dude it was all over the shop it was not really that funny or good it was just like slapstick shit. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a big box office success, Rudy, unlike yourself. Well, I mean, no, the it, more budget... than, it more than doubled the budget, but yeah, I don't know how much of that was on Prime. Ah, but so. yeah, budget was 80 mil and it made 160. I'm thinking a lot of marketing went into it. But either way, ah, oh, this was not good. I don't think this is good at all. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not for one minute saying it's a good film. You. I'm just saying, like, do the maths. It made a profit. I'm, I'm sorry, saying Rudy. objectively the film was profitable. <laughs> that does not mean I think it's a good... You're confusing profit with critical acclaim. Aren't they the same thing, Rudy? <laughs> you're confusing wealth <laughs> with moral, moral righteousness. It's what Hughes would have wanted. <laughs> And that was Flubber, the most profitable movie of 1997. Yeah. The <laughs> and tri also the Titanic the of 97. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Titanic also in 97? Wasn't that Titanic? Sorry, uh, for me, Titanic was the Flubber of 97. <laughs>
Guys, I think that's that's about it for today. That's that. That was the flubberiest podcast we've ever done. The flubbest yet. I would like to get out of this closet because I have a plane to catch and also I need some air. Okay, well, thanks guys for your time as always. That was, uh, that was a lovely little review. And join us next week for possibly another madcap film from the 90s. I don't think we should go madcap. Uh, join us next week for an absolute banger of a film from the 90s. It's good drama. Uh, Beethoven. <laughs> four. <laughs> Beethoven four. Life can be hard when you're in love with Professor Brainard. He's so absent-minded, but we're so like-minded Forgets about his wedding, so I have to remind him Oh, thank you, Weber, you've been there from the start I should have thought twice when I gave you that heart Gone to my wedding, the fourth time's a charm But secretly I wanna be in your robotic I got a confession to make. Tell me. I come with baggage. Great big red robot baggage. I've got a daughter. Her name? It's We Bet. We Bet? A daughter? You, me, we bet, flub and make four who could want more. You, me, we bet, flub and make four who could want more. You, me, we bet, flabber, make four who could want more. You, me, we bet, flabber, make four who could want more. You, me, we bet, flabber, make four who could want more. You, me, we bet, flabber, make four who could want more. So, Sarah, I'm just. I'm sorry, I've got my two girls and I'm gonna have to leave. And of course, I've got my other green chubby boy. What's he called again? Rubber? Dubber? Flubber.